Well, I appreciate that, Andy. Thank you for the privilege to be here and to be with all of you. I uh, just want to give a little bit of context of this, and then we'll walk in. It's a unique day. But even though we're going to focus on a, a person's ordination today, my prayer, and I think it would be true for those of you that are here as well, is that at the end of the day, this won't have just been a service that's simply about one person. That ultimately it'll be a service that reflects the glory of Jesus Christ and a reminder of the kingdom work that we all get to be a part of. And you're going to get to see a little bit of how that all fits together as we walk through this. So first, let me just give a little context for what all this is about. So today Daniel's going to be ordained, and I, I'm sure he's thinking in his mind, my, my children are going to respect me so much more at the end of this service, and everybody's going to kiss the ring, and it's just going to be so remarkably different. And that's an equation for disappointment, Daniel. I just need you to know. So uh, the, why do we do what we call ordination? We don't believe that a pastor like Daniel or Andy or myself or any others that would fit that category or title are more important or more special or more unique or more called by God than anybody else in this room or anybody else who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. We believe in what we would call the priesthood of all believers, that every single one of us is vitally important in the kingdom and the family of God. So why do we do ordination? Well, many of you in your various areas of work um, and career, you will have gone through training, you've gone through licensing, you have to do continuing education, you have to validate that actually you are bringing to the table the various skills, the heart, the competencies, the spirit that is needed for whatever it is that you're working toward. Uh, we all would be really disappointed if the doctor we went to see this week hadn't gone through quite the journey to become the doctor that he is, right? In a similar way, we think that the bar for those who get to be the shepherd of God's sheep ought not to be a low bar, but actually in light of eternity, this is an incredibly significant thing. And as such, Daniel's gone through a number of things in the last few years. So I'll just give you a little window into some of what it is. Um, he's had to attend a variety of workshops, uh, various conference and workshop ideas where we focus on different topics, how to handle difficulties in ministry, things of self-assessment, various things of Bible and doctrine. He had to actually take some coursework with us, and then ultimately do some papers. He wrote papers, uh, I think six of them all together, and they would have been on topics such as Jesus our Savior, Jesus our Sanctifier, Jesus our Healer, Jesus our Coming King. He would have done a paper on the nature of the church that we're a part of. What should church be like according to God's Word, the Bible? And a little bit about the broader site of what's our mission. That's the last paper. What's, what are we to do together? In other words, God's work is far beyond just the people in this room, right? It's even far beyond Louisville. It's literally around the globe. So he had to go through a number of those things. He had to read a whole bunch of books that helped cure his insomnia. And we worked through all kinds of interesting things on that. And a whole variety of other pieces. He met with a mentor regularly who was a part of his process through this journey. And then we come all the way here to the end, and he comes and he sits down for a test, an interview exam, if you will. He's studied to show himself approved by knowing well the Word of God. It's hard to be a math teacher if you don't know math principles. It's hard to teach English and grammar if you don't know the principles of the language. And it's really, really hard to be a shepherd of God's people if you don't know the book that God gave us. So, Daniel studied diligently to know all the key things related to this book. Um, as a matter of fact, he's like memorized the whole thing. You can ask him after the service. Just walk up to him, toss out a verse. Hezekiah 17.3. He'll know it, okay? There isn't a Hezekiah in the Bible, by the way. I'm just testing. So, the, um, you, he might not know that. So, he actually came and sat down for a two-hour interview with a group of stern, austere-looking people. It was our version of water torture and waterboarding, and we brought him through all that. And I will tell you, at the end of it, we were unanimous 
through all of this process to go, we choose to approve you for ordination. It's a sense of the endorsement of God's calling on his life for this role. It's an endorsement of the work that he's done to it. By the way, it's a significant endorsement of his family as well, because Daniel hasn't done this journey alone. So, all of these things have come together to bring us to this day. Now, there's a number of you that are special here. Daniel, come on up here for a minute. Um, this is, uh, you're not all getting out of a message from me, but I just want to pause here for a moment and have Daniel, can you hand him a microphone uh, as well so he can walk up here with me? And there's a number of people that are here today that would be special family and friends um, related to the Hendersons and their journey. And so the, you get to choose like your favorites and introduce them, and then you have to deal with the outcome afterwards. The, that's, I actually just would like to pause here. This is a very special church family journey, and it's a special family journey. And I'd like you to acknowledge some of these people that are here with us celebrating this today and honoring the journey you've been on, okay? All right, thanks, Jeff, for giving me a space to do this. Um, there are people here from every step along the way that led to this day today. Um, so, first of all, uh, my parents couldn't be here, but they're watching online. Um, and I would not be here today if they hadn't raised me in the safe Christian house that they raised me in. I grew up with the words from Proverbs on my wall, literally on my wall, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I still know those words because I saw them every single day when I woke up, every single night before I went to sleep. Uh, and that's how they raised me. Um, I would not be here without my brother and his encouragement and his support, and um, I appreciate you. Um, I would not be here without several people from Portland Christian School and a lot of those folks are here. Um, teachers, staff, administrators were awesome there. Friends were awesome there. Our friends that are from Portland Christian that are here. Um, I love you all so much. I appreciate you. Um, and thank you for being here. Um, our, we have friends from LifePoint here, obviously, but not just LifePoint Current, but LifePoint that helped launch this church almost 15 years ago. Some people are back. And... Um, that's just awesome. That's special. And we're bonded uh, and united by this church who desires to show people that you don't have to put on any false pretenses. You don't have to be somebody you're not. Jesus loves you the way that you are. Come to this church the way that you are is the way that this church was launched. And we're all united under his name and for his purpose. Um, I'm here standing here because of a lot of family members who have loved and supported and encouraged every step of the way. Um, and you all know who you were. I know who you are to me. Um, one key couple um, along the way asked me to perform their marriage ceremony. They were the first couple who asked me to do so. And that gave me the confidence to do some of the stuff that led into the ministry that we do. And that was a very special moment for me. And then... Um, Others will ask along the way, and it's just, it just developed. Um, I would not be standing here without Denise, and that's obvious. Um, you all saw, as we worked here um, at LifePoint on staff here, how well we worked together, how God put us together to, do, um, to work for his purpose, to show others his love. And uh, there were several times along the way that she encouraged me to, you got to get this done, you got to go. Uh, you got to make this happen, and um, she gave me the space to do so. Um, it's not a, and it's not easy raising five kids, as a lot of you know. Um, but she gave me a lot of freedom. And yes, you can do this workshop. You can be away from our family for two days and a night several times. Yes, you can stay work late at work today. I encourage you to do so. To read this book, do your report while you're at work, while you're in your office. It's quiet, away from distractions from the family. Well, she encouraged me every single step along the way to do that. Um, and Denise, I love you and appreciate you for that. Um, so, pop quiz time, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Jeff. If you've been around me for more than 60 seconds, if you have been in one of my small groups, if you know that my name is Daniel, what book of the Bible am I about to read from? 
Shout it out. Ephesians. My son, Sean, yelled that out. I heard him. He's probably sick of hearing these words. Ephesians 2, 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Jesus Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So those of you who, who served alongside us in kids ministry here, first of all, thank you. I feel like we went to battle with you and went to war with you. Uh, but we had a team down there. And I love that team and I love you all. But you all know that one of the things I like doing as I led kids um, was personalizing the Bible for them. So listen to these words as I change it up a little bit. God saved Daniel by his grace when Daniel believed. Daniel can't take credit for that. That is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that Daniel or anybody has done, so he cannot boast about it. For Daniel is God's masterpiece. God has created us anew in Jesus so that Daniel can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I firmly believe with everything I have that God laid out my path for me, that he chose, predestined me to do what is going on and what is happening today. I firmly believe that he put all of you all in my path to help encourage me, support me, get me going the right way, to love me through it, and to make this day happen. I don't know what ministry looks like for us after this, but I, knew, but I do know that God knows. God has already laid it out a long time ago, before I was thought of, before Denise was thought of, before we adopted kids, before you all came into our picture. God knows everything that's going to happen. He's laid it out, and he predestined us into this moment, and I appreciate that so much. I love you all. I thank you for your support, and thank you for being here, and I'm going to turn it back over to Jeff. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Yep. <laughs> thank you, Daniel, and thank you to all of you who have come here and those of you who are watching online on this very special occasion. We're glad to have you worshiping with us. And we want to take a little bit of time to dig into the Word of God together. It's all about God and His Word. Uh, so we want to dig into that together. And I'm going to let you all do something really special this morning. You get to eavesdrop. I'm going to basically give a message to Daniel. And then you get to all hold him accountable to this. You get to go, remember when that guy said Daniel and you had to do it? And so you get to be like the whole team. But I'm actually going to not only let you eavesdrop. Here's what I think will happen. I think that as we look at the Word of God together, there's going to be a few thoughts in this that God wants to nudge into your life as well. So I want you to listen for that and see that it's not only about Daniel, but it probably applies in some wonderful ways to you as well. To set the table for that, I want to go back to my childhood. So when I grew up, uh, elementary school age, uh, my best friend at the time, Scott Kramers, lived just three houses down. And every Saturday afternoon, you could pretty well find us doing the same thing. It would either be my basement or his basement. It would alternate. There would be the TV on, and we lived in Northeast Ohio, and they had on a Cleveland station there something called Superhost Mad Theater, which was basically every Saturday afternoon, these people who thought they were funny would do long commercial breaks to try to be funny, and they really weren't. I don't know how they got on TV. And they did these commercial breaks all interspersed with a movie that they were showing, and it was always these like Japanese monster movies. Do you remember those? You know, where the, you see the old you know, the special effects were terrible, little models, they blow them up and burn, tanks turn over, and their lips never quite work to manage with the, the dubbing that they did with it all. And so they would get to these long, really boring, supposedly funny breaks, and Scott and I, would go to battle. Scott and I were the sovereign gods, and I mean small g gods, over the battlefield that was either my basement or his basement. We were always going to war. We were always pursuing the victory. Now, we would conscript everything we could into these battles, right? So there was the Huey helicopter that I had built, a model that would just crush the enemy, all until the day I sat on it and crushed it myself. But it was an accident, and I, I was deeply disappointed. 
There was this aircraft carrier that I built um, that carried far more than just jet planes. There was the Lincoln Log HQ. Do you remember Lincoln Logs? Some of you are older enough. It's like we had Lincoln Logs and we built the whole fort and headquarters thing. We had the erector set that we could make things that would move. We would build Lego monstrosity vehicles that could just plow down any enemy at any speed. And if they lost a few parts on the way, what did it really matter? And there we would use the building blocks that my sister had and her, her weebles that would wobble but not fall down. Those are great soldiers. They don't die, you know? And then there was, there was those little green army men, you know, that just never move, never blink. They're just there the whole time until you knock them down. And in the midst of it all, the best soldiers we ever had, we had several of them, they were the special elite G.I. Joe soldiers, the ones that had the fuzzy hair and beard. They were the best fighters. And we would go to war every Saturday afternoon in one of our basements. And I will tell you this, we never lost a battle. Not a single one. We would always win. And I'll also tell you another thing about our battles. We never, ever set up to simply defend the turf. We never set up to only guard our place. We never retreated. We never looked back. We always moved forward. There was conquest. We were going to take new territory. Now... I just want you, I mean, we were just kids having fun about that, right? But Daniel, I'd like you to keep that in mind as we wade into a story of conquest where ultimately I think the conclusion, foreshadowing toward the end of all this, is that in the world of God's advancement, and it needs to be the advancement of his kingdom, we need to always be moving forward. Yes, there's work to be done, there's studies to do, there's preparation to be made. But at the end of the day, we're not to be Christians who merely surround and defend ourselves in the church. We actually are not to go and, and take over the world in, in vicious, violent ways, but to take over the world with the good news and the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. And that actually we're to be moving forward on this. We're to conscript everything we can, every person we can. I'll be honest, I look around a room like this, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, well, some of us are a little bit like the Weebles or the Little Green Army Men or the strange G.I. Joes. We're not the most impressive army on the planet. But in the hands of an incredible, all-powerful God, it's amazing what can be accomplished for the glory of the king and the advancement of his kingdom. So with that in mind, I'd like to look at a story in the Old Testament for just a few minutes. If you have a Bible, you can open it and follow with me, or you can just listen if you'd like. It's back in the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, it's, it's barely 20% of the way through the Bible. You'll find 1 and 2 Samuel, there's a 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. You'll get into the neighborhood. 1 Samuel chapter 14, we're going to read about 15 verses here of 1 Samuel chapter 14. I want you to catch a little bit of story, and then Daniel, for you, I'm going to give, we're going to take the name Jonathan out and put your name in this like you just did in Ephesians. That seems like a good pattern, and we're going to see a little bit about how it can apply to you, but maybe to all of us that are here in this room. So 1 Samuel chapter 14. 14. I'm actually going to start by reading the last verse of chapter 13 to lead us in there. It says, so on the day of the battle, verse 22 actually, so the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul or Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand, only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Remember that. Now a detachment of the Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmash. One day Jonathan He's the son of the king. He's a soldier himself. Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father the king. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom were, catch all these names now, I have to read them, not you, but hey, 
Among them were Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. It's a breastplate with all these jewels in it. He was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitub, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sena. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men, the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Key verse right here. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in your mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, well, come on then. We'll cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, the Philistines said, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they're hiding in. And the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come on up here to us, we're going to teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me, the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed those behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan's armor bearer killed some 20 men in about a half an acre of land. And then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and those in the field and those at the outpost and in the raiding parties. And the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. We'll stop there. So, I want us to look at four different things, Daniel. I'd like us to look at the context of conquest. I'd like us to look at the leadership needed in conquest. Third, the partnership needed in conquest. And finally, the place of God in conquest. And I'd like you to be thinking how these apply to the ministry God has called you to and that you'll be wading into in the coming days. And I'd encourage all of you watching and those of you sitting here with us that you might ask God to see what these are in your setting, in your context. So what's the setting or the context of conquest in this story? Well, you need to know the people of Israel were in a bad way. The economy was terrible. Nothing was good. Things were expensive. There wasn't much money to be had. We could take you through the earlier chapters and I could prove it to you to go. It was a bad economy. Not only was it a bad economy, they were an oppressed people. These people were stuck together under the oppression of the occupying force of the Philistines. The Philistines had their thumb on everything they wanted to. They controlled the economy. The Philistines were doing okay because they were taxing, they were ripping off, they were doing whatever they want. The Philistines, every time you read the name Philistines in the Bible, you should just go, ooh, because they're like the bad people. Okay? And there's the good people, the bad people, there's the Philistines, they're always the bad people. And they had a monopoly over everything that they wanted to have, and they oppressed God's people. The army was weak. The country's army was incredibly weak. It says in the early part of chapter 13 that Saul had over 3,000 soldiers. Did you catch at the very end of chapter 13, before I started reading verse chapter 14, it said Saul had only 600 soldiers. His people were bailing out. They saw defeat, they knew what was coming, and they're out of there, and they're running AWOL for the hills. It says, by the way, in chapter 13, that the Philistine army outnumbered the sand of the shores. Okay? They just were innumerable. 600, can't count them. 600, can't count them. Not only did they have a small, defeated, immobilized army, they actually didn't have the equipment they needed either. You ever feel in church ministry, Daniel, that you don't have enough resourcing and equipment? You don't have enough people to really get after what you need to get after? Uh, there's just everything seems to be stacked against you. It just seems like the whole world's caving in. Things like pandemics, 
Things like people losing their jobs. Things like terrible racism that just rips the shredded parts of our society apart even more. And on and on it goes. And yet, we as the people of God, we feel like there's only so few of us. What can we really do? And we don't have much money and we don't have much resources. And are we really going to be able to accomplish anything? And actually, they would have felt that even more keenly there. Did you catch the verse I read where it says, Saul, the king, had a sword. Jonathan, the general, the king's son, had a sword. And of the 600 army men that they had, not another one of them had a sword. They had sticks and picks. They had no other weaponry. In other words, they're like a group of untrained farmers just all put together going after it against the Philistine army that's innumerable, that's well-trained, and has all the equipment that they could ever dream of. This is the setting for conquest. So sometimes in the ministry world of church, we can feel like we're outnumbered, we're doomed, we're just toast. And I just want to point out to you, Daniel, and to everybody else watching and in this room, that it's at those moments that I think God most delights in showing up. Because in those moments, what we read in this story, what we're going to comment on in the next few minutes, it's so astounding that at the end of the day, all anybody's going to be able to say is, God showed up. How incredible is God? Because we certainly didn't have enough people. We certainly didn't have better strategy. We certainly didn't have enough resources and equipment. God showed up. And God showed off in the most wonderful ways. That's the setting. So Daniel, I don't know all the things you and Denise will face in the coming days. Some days it might feel like everything's crumbling around you and it's just not coming together. And I just want you to know, God not only works in the really good days of life and ministry, God works in the really tough days. Sometimes it's actually that he tends to avoid working so much in the good days. He really likes to show up in the challenging days. I should point out as well that much like our own country, and I'm not taking political sides on anything, I'm just saying I don't care whether it's the past administration, the current administration, have we learned that our government is not the savior of our world? Right? What do you have? You have King Saul in this story. What's King Saul doing? They're, they're under the thumb. They're, they're struggling under the Philistines. And he's sitting in the shade of a pomegranate tree. And it, this is put in the story, I believe, to remind us that if your hope is in the great leaders of the political world to show up and solve everything for us, you're going to be hurting and wanting for a long time. I don't care what their background is, what their political party is. The savior of the world is not government. Did you also catch when I read through all those weird names, you don't even know if I pronounced them right or not because I could just make it up, right? The, and I will tell you, why are all those names put there? They're all a lineage of the religious establishment of the day, the church hierarchy of the day. And there's one name that you probably recognize because it showed up in other stories like the tale of the Headless Horseman. It's that name Ichabod. You know what the name Ichabod means? It means the glory of God has departed. That's what the name Ichabod actually is translated and means. How would you like that to be your name? Well, there's some guy who had that name. It meant it was prophetic. The glory of God has departed. So I believe that the author of this story, this real historical thing that took place, tells us that these key religious leaders were there and of their lineage. He names them so that we could have the context to realize, oh, the religious establishment is not what's going to change the world either. The glory of God had departed. It wasn't in these higher forms and all these people with their cool robes and everything like that. They were powerless anymore because they weren't following God. So we could not put our trust in the political leadership of our world, nor can we put our trust in the religious establishment leadership of the world. We're going to have to find it somewhere different. We actually have to find it in God himself. That's the context of this conquest. Now we come to the place of a leader. Jonathan's a leader. Daniel, I want you to think of yourself as Jonathan in this case. What does God ask of a leader? 
Well, several things stand out to me about Jonathan in this story. And I'd just like us to focus on a few of them. So Jonathan steps in and he actually believed that something cool could happen. I wonder if he slept out under the stars that night with his head on a rock for a pillow, if he started to think through some of the stories that he had read in the book of the Exodus in the early part of the Bible. He would have had the early books of the Bible. Or maybe in the book of the Judges. Did he remember the stories of how Gideon and 300 men with just torches and pitchers routed a whole army because of the power and glory of God? Or where there was a story in the book of Judges where actually with these same people, the Philistines, a guy with a stick took down 600 soldiers of the Philistines by himself. You can find it in the book of Judges. You want to read some fun stories? It's not PG, I'm just going to tell you. And read it in the book of the Judges. And did he lay there that night going, we're sitting here scared to death, we're not doing anything, we're not taking any action, but the God of my fathers, the God of the history of our people, time and again would show up and do God-sized things. Could God do it again? And Jonathan believed that it could happen again. Daniel, in the days of darkness and the days of difficulty, will you be a leader who believes that God can do it again? For all of you that are here, whatever you face this week, next week, next year, will you believe that God is a God who can do it again? Jonathan believed. He knew the history, and he believed it could happen in his day. He believed it could happen in his place, and he was willing to take a risk. Have you noticed that leaders today are incredibly averse to taking risk? Nobody likes to take risk. Why? Because we could be wrong, and if we're wrong, then we're out of a job or out of whatever. I'm just going to tell you, in following God, we need leaders who are willing to take a risk. And by the way, we'll come to this in a few minutes, we need people who are willing to follow leaders who are willing to take a risk. It's an interesting little thing that two need to go hand in hand. Jonathan was willing to take a risk. He gets up the next day, he says, to Bear, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and show ourselves, we're going to step out from behind the rocks and show ourselves to those Philistines up there. Those Philistines. And Jonathan knew at the day, the moment, that he stepped out from behind the rock, he was going to have a fight. Right? He didn't know whether he was going to win the fight or not. He didn't know if he was going to live or not. He knew he was going to have a fight. The moment he stepped out and revealed himself, the moment he committed himself, there's no turning back. Did he know for sure exactly what God was going to do? He doesn't. He actually says he doesn't know. We're going to show ourselves. They might ask us to go up there. They might, ask, they might say they're coming down here. They might chase us. We're not sure. He doesn't know what's exactly going to happen, but he knows that he won't know what God's going to do until he commits. So Daniel, there's sometimes God's going to lay something on your heart and you're going to have to take a risk. You're not going to feel 100% certain. If, if everything was 100% certain for all of us, we would not, lead, need, we would not need leadership. All right? The reason we need leadership is we need people who have enough intuition, enough discernment, enough God connection, enough risk-taking willingness to step out, and even though they're not 100% certain, are going to say, we're going this way. This is what we're going to do. Jonathan does that. He steps out, and he knows he's going to have a fight. But I also have a hint that Jonathan has spent time while he's laid awake that night thinking through those stories, talking to his God. Because he looks at his armor bearer and he says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to step out and we're going to have a fight. And if they call us up there to them, that will be the sign to us that God's going to give them into our hand. He knew that if things went a certain way, it would be the evidence that God was involved in this. And he takes a risk to see where it'll be. He didn't know for sure if that would play out that way, but if it did, he would know that it's at the hand of God. 
And that's the kind of leadership, Daniel, that we need in this world today. That's the kind of leadership we need in our churches all around us. That's the kind of leadership we need to carry the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ to a lost world all around us. And Jonathan steps out by those cliffs. Did you catch in the beginning where those cliffs had names? Bozes and Sena? It basically means, one means slippery and the other means sharp. And basically it's saying they had to go through, they couldn't just do anything. If they're going to go and do God's work here, they had to go on a certain pathway with these long, big, tall cliffs on either side. I, can I just say, Daniel, I don't know. There's going to be cliffs in your ministry, and they're going to sometimes have names. All right? The names might be fear. The names might be temptation. Sometimes the names might be things like Mary and John. All right? So I, ho I hope it's never Denise. Okay, that would be really bad. The, you know, I, but I don't, the cliffs are going to have names. And you're going to have to navigate that part of the journey. Each and every one of you could name some cliffs in your life right now. You could name them. And that's what Jonathan faced in taking a risk as a leader. And in trust of God, he steps out. Daniel, we need leaders who will step out like Jonathan. There's also the place not only of leadership, but there's the place of partnership. So, there's the armor bearer. Now, lest you think it says a young armor bearer, and you might think it initially like, oh, so they're like, there's this kid carrying his armor around and all this. Well, think with me for a minute. Who gets to be the bodyguard of the king's son, the heir to the crown? Is this just going to be some 12-year-old hiking around with it? No, this is a guy who's young, trained special forces. He's, he's army rangers. He's navy seal, right? That's who's going to stand with the king's son. He's as well-trained as anybody there is in the whole army. And he's sitting there. And did you catch his name? Did you? I didn't either. It's not there. We don't know his name. So here's the place of partnership. This guy, this armor bearer, he didn't have to, Jonathan's going off script, right? Jonathan is doing something that isn't in the plan. Jonathan is doing something that actually the king wouldn't probably approve of. Did you notice it says he did not tell his father? Why doesn't Jonathan tell his father? I'll tell you what I think. I think Jonathan knows that people who don't have good trust in God would try to talk the godly people out of doing the risk-taking that God would ask them to do. You, here's a little, I'll give you a side. You don't even have to give any extra offering for this, all right? I'm just going to tell you something. Okay? So, Jonathan's actions are guided by his belief in the nature of God. You catch that? Jonathan's actions are guided by his belief in the nature of God. He believed that God was all-powerful. He believed that God cares about his people. He believed that God can and will show up when people will step out in faith and trust. He believed that, and therefore he took action. Saul's actions also revealed and were dependent upon his perspective, his understanding of the nature of God. And he didn't think about God at all like Jonathan does, so therefore, in fear, he sits under the pomegranate tree. Your perspective of the nature of God will guide everything each of you do this week. Your perspective of God will mark and, in, and inherently lead in everything you do this coming week. Daniel, your perspective of God will determine whether you're a Saul or a Jonathan. So Jonathan looks at his guy and says, hey, this is what I'm going to go do. Because why? in my understanding of God, nothing can stop God from winning, whether with many or with few. In other words, he could use just me or he could use a thousand of us. In God's eyes and in God's power, it's not really going to be that different. Because God's amazing. It's not about us anyway. It's about God. And did you catch the partnership of his armor bearer? His armor bearer says this, let's do this. I'm with you heart and soul. I am with you heart and soul. Isn't that an incredible statement? So, Daniel, at some level, you're a leader, but you're always a follower. 
everybody in this room is a follower at some level, right? I, I'm at my level of leadership, and I'm still under the authority of multiple people. I, all of us. There's nobody that answers to nobody. So at some level, every single one of us need to look around us and determine who it is that we need to go up to who is a godly leader, who is doing their best to step out and take the risk and do what God asks. And we need to be willing to say to those people, I'm with you heart and soul. I'm with you heart and soul. Daniel, there's some people, even though you're a great leader, there's some people that you need to go up to and in your own words, in your own way, say, I'm with you heart and soul. And by the way, there's some of you in this room that need to go up to Daniel and Denise and go, hey, as you go on this journey with Jesus, as you obey him, what he's asking, we just want you to know, we're with you heart and soul. Just like that armor bearer did. And at the end of the day, one of the key questions for all of us in being a partner in God's work is, are we willing to be anonymous? Are we willing to be nameless? Did you catch this guy? He has no name, well, at least that we know. He does have a name. It's not revealed to us. At the end of this, the end of this story, and I didn't even read you the whole story. There's more to it. But at the end of the story, the victory that is won will be ascribed and accredited in two ways. The people will go, God did a great thing here. And we had great victory over the Philistines. And we have freedom. And we have the ability to move forward in life and in ministry. And it would be called Jonathan's victory. Because Jonathan led the way. Are you okay if God does great things and your name is not even in the credits? Would you be okay with that? It's a tough one, Daniel. We all like to have some sense of being in the spotlights. And this guy is just the armor bearer but he is critical. And he joins with in partnership. So, if you're in military, what do you want? The high ground or the low ground? High ground, right? Everyone wants the high ground. We want to be on the high ground. The Philistines had the high ground. Jonathan says here, we're going to step out from behind the rocks. He and his armor bearer. And then he says the most amazing thing. He says, hey, I'll tell you what. If they come down to us, we're going to have a fight. Don't know how that's going to go. But that would at least be even, right? They'd be on the low ground together. He says, if they call us up there to their place of advantage, this will be the sign that God's going to do something incredible. Why? Because this is actually backward thinking. It's amazing with God. God's forward, right thinking often appears to us to be backward thinking. It's not, but it appears to us to be that way. So what happens these guys say, hey, come on up here. Now, I don't know exactly how all this works. Okay? I'm going to speculate for a minute and just guess a couple of things. Could be wrong. So those soldiers, there's 20 plus soldiers up there at that outpost on about an acre of land. There's two cliffs and kind of working your way up the gap between the cliffs. They say, Jonathan, hey, you, you guy, get up here. Jonathan says, okay, he has to, it's so steep, he has to climb with his hands and feet. Did you catch that? Right? He's climbing with his hands and feet up there. His sword bears, armor bears behind him. But an interesting thing happens, I think. First of all, God helps give Jonathan incredible ability to have victory in overwhelming odds, in a scenario that's backwards. But I also think an interesting that God uses natural things in funny ways. So there's those two cliffs. I predict that the Philistines are eager. Who wouldn't want to be the guy who's known as the one who killed the enemy's king's son, right? That would be like Medal of Honor stuff, right? So I think that they rushed to come forward, but they can only get one person at a time in this narrow pass. So Jonathan still has to fight them. They're above him but he only has to fight one at a time. Because the very cliffs that are difficult, the very cliffs that we sometimes might curse or wish weren't there, actually can be used to be a blessing. Do you know that some of the things that you view as challenging in your life, God can flip that around and somehow use it to accomplish his purposes? 
Daniel, you'll face things in ministry. You're not going to be sure how they're going to go. And sometimes God will use the things or even the people that you view as most difficult to do some of the most amazing things and allow you to move forward. And so Jonathan fights, and he only has to fight one at a time, and then the guy might not even be dead, and he kind of steps over him and gets onto the next guy. And there comes his armor bearer. He doesn't have a sword, but he's doing whack-a-mole and just taking him out. And he picks up a sword from the first guy, and now he's got a sword, and they've got weaponry, and ultimately they take over. So we have the place of conquest, overwhelming odds. We have the place of leadership, a God-fearing, discerning, risk-taking leader. We have the place of partnership where we stand together. I'm with you heart and soul. And finally, we have the place of God in all of this. Remember, God has already been whispering to Jonathan about this. Jonathan knew that if he had to climb, that would be a sign God's going to work. And then God shows up in some other ways. God takes care and helps and empowers Jonathan is honor bearer to have victory against, they're outnumbered at least 20 to 2, if not more. But they have victory because God works in their specific little circumstance on their specific little acre of land. I don't know what your acre of life is this week, right? It's not mine, it's yours. I don't know what your place of battle will be this week. It's not mine, it's yours. I have my own. But God can show up. He's so amazing. He can show up in yours, and he can show up in yours, and yours, and mine too, and help all of us to have amazing victory in these amazing places. And Daniel, he can show up in your acre time and time again and help you have the greatest of victory. And as such, God is present. The place of conquest, God shows up in our acre, in our place. But he's not just about our small picture, he's about the big picture. Did you catch at the end? There's this earthquake of a stampede. We don't know for sure from the language whether there was a literal earthquake caused by God that made them all freak out and run for their lives, or if just somehow in the panic sent by God. Did you catch that? Panic given by God. They saw 20 guys drop down at that outpost there and they thought that something was going on bigger than it was. One way or another, all of the enemy army freaked out and yea, verily, ran for their lives. And eventually, the, the lookouts sitting near Saul at the pomegranate tree are going, you know, hey, something weird's happening. They're all running for their lives. Do you do that? Do you do that? Let's go. And away they go. And the Israelites have a great victory that day. God is amazing in your little acre. And God is amazing in the whole battlefield. And he can do it all at the same time for all of us at the same time. That's how incredible our God is. The place of conquest, the leadership of conquest, the partnership of conquest, and the place of God in conquest. As you march forward, Daniel... I pray that you will be a Jonathan and an armor bearer who depends upon God no matter the circumstances that come about. And I hope that maybe the Spirit of God would use that for a few of you in your journey as well. What we're going to do in the next few minutes as we close this service, we're going to invite, in just a moment, I'm going to invite Daniel and Denise and their children to all come here, and they're going to stand right here in the front. And I'm going to invite... Andy and Jennifer and other elders of this church and my wife and Fran to come and join us. We're going to gather around and this is a biblical, you find this in the Bible where we lay hands on and pray for it. So Andy's going to pray a prayer for ordination over Daniel. My wife's going to pray a prayer over their whole family because this isn't just a Daniel thing. This is a whole family thing. And then I'm going to close in prayer. But I would ask as we do that, that we, you don't simply wait while we pray, you would make our prayers your prayer. And it would be the collective prayer of all of us. And when we're done, we're going to sing a closing song. And then, because the glory is about Jesus, right? We're going to sing about God, and then we're going to be done. So, Hendersons, if you'll come on up, and others who are leaders in the church that I mentioned, if you'll come as well.
We're going to put the old Henderson family right here, front and center. The spotlight's blinding your eyes. Yeah. Welcome to my world. That's right. That's, thanks, everybody. And we're going to gather around if there's... Um, oops, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off there. And um, step on in and just lay a hand on a shoulder or two. And uh, if you might want to do this, none of you have to do this, but there's something... You notice in some of our songs earlier, it talked about raising our hands in glory to God. Well, that's a cool thing. There's another part that we can do with our hands that's very symbolic and very meaningful, is you're not standing here with a hand on a shoulder, but you can just put your arm out a little bit. If you'd like to do that and just extend your own arm and be a part of this this way, we would love for you to do that. Just a thought for all of you as we start. Andy, if you'll pray, and then my wife, and then I'll pray as well. Absolutely. We join us in prayer. Jesus, we, we just come to you in this time. One, we're just so thankful for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We're thankful that you choose us as your people to do your work and that you call all of us all of us that are under your name that claim your name jesus your banner that you call us all equally to love and to serve and to take your gospel to the ends of the earth jesus so we thank you for that and today lord as we as we uh, celebrate and recognize um, the work that Daniel has done in preparing himself to lead at a different capacity in your calling of us all taking the gospel, Lord, as, as a minister, Lord. We pray that you would just be with him and surround him, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would guide him and lead him with wisdom and truth. And Lord, as, as he navigates this uh, continued journey that he's on, that you would continue to give him protection from the enemy and uh, that he would keep his focus on you and not just him, but his entire family, Lord, that you would bless Denise as, as she walks beside him and as she serves and is ministering as well. Um, as, as that just beautiful, strong team that you've put together and that you would have protection around these beautiful kids of theirs and their family and their ministry, their ministry here at LifePoint, being a part of our family. And then as they go and begin new, beautiful expressions of your church, Lord, that, that you would bless them and their team. And Lord, we just, I personally thank you so much for Daniel and what he and his family have meant to LifePoint and to my family and to me. So Lord, we, we pray, Lord, your blessing upon his life and his ministry, Lord. May it be about you, and as a result, Lord, may it be fruitful and beautiful. And, and may he finish this race just as strong as he started, Lord. Protect him, all aspects of his life, Jesus. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, we pray that over him, Jesus, in your beautiful name. And Father, we lift before you Denise, who... Uh, walks alongside Daniel. Lord, the partnership that you've given them has been uh, wonderful to see, and we ask as they continue moving forward as husband and wife, as mom and dad, as sons and daughters of you, Lord, that their walk will be sweet, that you'll bless their feet where they go, and bless their hands what they do, and bless their mouths what they say, Lord, we do thank you for this family, and um, we know you have great things. You've, it's no coincidence that these kids are here with, with these two uh, parents. You had that plan from the beginning, and you just redeemed and uh, been able to pour your love into all of these here on this stage, and we thank you, Lord, for that. And uh, to continue the theme of Ephesians, I want to read Paul's prayer uh, in Ephesians 3, and use the Hendersons' names here. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen the Hendersons with power through his spirit in their inner beings, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to this love that surpasses knowledge, that the Henderson family may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, than all the Hendersons can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church 
and in the Henderson family, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, I thank you for this day. I thank you for how you've had your hand on Daniel, Denise, and their whole family. For their whole life, actually, it starts even well before their lives, that you've actually woven a tapestry that brings us to this place. God, you are so amazing. And Lord, I'm reminded that even though Scott and I pretended to be generals over make-believe battlefields, you truly are the sovereign God over every difficult field that we face, no matter what it is, no matter what it looks like. May Daniel and his family time and time and time again see that you are more than anybody could have ever imagined. That it's not a difficult thing for you to save God, whether by many or by few. And would you surround Daniel and his whole family with many who will say, we are with you heart and soul. Would you fill Daniel afresh with your Holy Spirit that he might lead not in his own capabilities and skills, but he might lead in the wisdom and discernment and abilities that you grant to him. We give him a fresh mantle of godly leadership to handle every circumstance beyond his own experience, beyond even his good training, beyond everything to your honor and glory. And in all that takes place, Lord, May the result be that the King Jesus is glorified and the kingdom is advanced, that many around us who don't yet know of the good news of Jesus Christ will find forgiveness, will find grace, will find love, will find acceptance, will have life transformation stories in astounding ways. And we praise you for all this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you congratulate Daniel on getting through this? You guys can head on down. Thanks. And we're going to close together and worship this God who's made this all possible. Appreciate you. Quick with the draw. Yeah. As the team comes forward, I just want to again thank you all so much for coming and being here with us today. Um, those of you that are a part of LifePoint Church, thank you for being here to celebrate the Hendersons. Those that came specifically to worship and celebrate the work that Daniel's done, thank you so so much for that. And Jeff, thank you again for for leading the service and, and bringing such a good word for us to, to all take. And um, remember what he said in the beginning, hold Daniel accountable to this, because I will be, so you all do it as well. He needs it. Denise has her hands full already, so make sure we help her out with that. So um, if, if this is your first time here at LifePoint Church, if you want to get connected, uh, we would love to have you. We'd love to talk with you. Um, if you want, Tyler, I don't know if you have the slides ready to go, um, but you can get connected through our Church Center app, or you can text the word CONNECT to the number 502-236-9446. It's a little digital connection card that'll get you linked in with kind of what's going on at LifePoint Church, what we're about, and we're available to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, for those of you that were on the, are on the live stream early, my apologies for not here in the beginning when I had this mic. This is what happens when our tech team is out and Andy is leading the tech team. It just doesn't go well. So that's all me. Thanks for hanging tight with us while we got that all worked out. So uh, Will, if you're watching, Get back from the lake soon because we need you. So, um, but other than that, thank you all so much for being here. We love you all. Daniel, congrats. I know the work that you've put in on this, and I'm proud of you. I'm proud to call you my brother. So thank you for that. So again, thank you all, and Jared and the team are going to lead us out. All right, church, let's rise and sing. All right, thank you all so much for being here with us once again for LifePoint Online. If this is your first time here with us, thank you all so much for being here and hanging out with us and checking out LifePoint Church. If you'd like more information or if you have any questions, you can either drop a comment below or you can visit us on our website or any of our social media platforms. And if you have questions, just go ahead and ask and someone from our team will get back with you as soon as we possibly can. Also, if you wanna to continue to worship um, with your tithes and your offerings, 
or if you just simply want to give to LifePoint Church, you could head over to our website. It's lpc502.com. In the top right-hand corner is an online giving button. If you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. You can also begin to text to give by texting the amount that you want to give to the number 84321. But however you choose to give, we're just so thankful and humbled by the fact that you're on mission and that you're giving back just a portion of what it is that God has blessed you with. Again, thank you all so much for being here with us today. We hope that you'll join us in connecting and doing life online throughout the week. And until next Sunday, we'll see you later. Have a great one.